Ron and Anian. In the first 90,000 miles, you will spend a minimum of $3,000 of maintenance. And I'm thinking, isn't that excessive? Let me hear you say, truck, yeah, want to get it jacked up, yeah, let's drink it on up, yeah, with a little bit of luck, I can find me a girl with a truck, yeah. The car doctor. The real question is, how bad do you want the truck? It's 20 years old. I'm not saying it's not worth fixing. I'm just saying... Don't bemoan the point. Just move on. Get to the next step. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Come on in. Sit down. 855-560-9900. Give me a call. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. Obviously, you can also find more information about this radio show, cardoctorshow.com. Podcasts there. Make sure you subscribe on whatever media player you are using, as well as you can get out to TuneIn, iHeart, iTunes, and all the rest. And uh, always click subscribe when you hit the podcast button. So a lot going on this hour. As always, here to talk to you about your car problems at 855-560-9900. And uh, coming up down around the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by Kevin Ansell. He is a technical service engineer for the folks over at 3M, talking to you a little bit about winter car care and winter prep. And um, Kevin is from Minnesota, so I think on a day like today when it's snowing in most parts of the country, he's got some comments to make that we're all going to sit there and go, yeah, that makes sense. Last week, if you recall, if you're if you're a regular listener to The Car Doctor, last week our hero made comments about, if you recall, I was talking about the wallet flush and, you know, how you go into certain dealerships and you buy this new car and your car ends up getting serviced and repaired and, um, you know, it's, it's excessive, what I thought was in some cases excessive recommendations for maintenance. Steve Rosenthal, regular Car Doctor listener, and Steve won't care if I use his last name or not. As a matter of fact, he'd like it if somebody came to visit him. He'd probably shoot him um, if they gave him a hard time. Steve's a great guy. I've talked to Steve and had the pleasure of meeting with him on occasion uh, over the course of the years. And um, Steve's got some comments that I want to bring up to light. He wrote me a letter. Ron, regarding the maintenance schedule, reference to the top of the first hour, I just revisited the dealer to schedule fluid exchanges all around, brakes, coolant, trans, and oil change. The mileage will be 71000 on a 2013 Honda Civic. Three years and one week owned. The service writer said, nah, you don't need to do the coolant. It goes seven years and 100,000 miles. Nope, I said, Steve writes. This is and will be the third time for all of these services, oil and filter at every three to four. So I think there is also a tendency to recommend less maintenance than is ideal. I think that the ideal interval for the fluids is twenty four to 30,000 miles. I do drive the car hard, extended idling, rapid acceleration, and idling of upwards to three hours. Uh, you know, Steve make some great points. And I, I guess there's a balance in that. And I wanted to present that because, you know, I, I like to put your opinions here on the air. That's what this radio show is really all about. But Steve makes some great points, too, that, you know, what is the right scenario? What is uh, the correct interval for maintaining a fluid? And I think it comes down to there's, and I've said this for years, there's manufacturer's world, there's dealer's world, and then there's real world. And I think real world takes a little bit from both, and it's somewhere in the middle. It's how you drive the car. It's what you do to the car. My point with last week's comments were don't buy a service package that talks about replacing a fuel filter at 15,000 miles if your car doesn't have one. 
and that was part of what, I don't think I hit it hard enough last week, but a lot of these service packages that are being sold talk about things that are generic. They don't take into account that the car doesn't have. Not every car has a fuel filter that's replaceable anymore. Not every car has a cabin filter. We worked on a 2013 GMC Sierra Denali yesterday. Nice truck, uh, 6.6 Duramax diesel. Didn't have a cabin filter. And when we sat down and I plugged in the VIN, went through the GM catalog, the GM catalog wasn't sure if it had a cabin filter or not. Went through and talked to my guys at GM. They weren't sure if the car had a cabin filter. We ended up having to do a physical inspection. It turns out there is a service kit available if you want to install a cabin filter in this vehicle. And from there, you can then go ahead and, and you know, cabin filters from that point on. My point is... It's, it's not all cut and dry. Everything is a little bit unique. So I don't see how they can come up with these wallet flush service schedules that are so generic and not specific to the vehicle. And just, just be mindful when you go in and get your car serviced. Steve, as always, buddy, I appreciate the comments. Keep them coming and uh, keep us all on the straight and narrow. So anyhow, this is The Car Doctor. The phone number is 855-560-9900. There's a long list of callers backed up. Let's kick the garage doors open and go to Greg in San Clemente and uh, see what's going on here. Craig, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, thanks, sir. Um, I have an old uh, 93 Pathfinder that's got 230,000 miles on it, and I I need to get a pickup truck. I've determined that. Okay. I was wondering your thoughts on the Dodge Eco Diesels, and I was also kind of considering a Toyota Tacoma. Um, Just wondering what your thoughts are about the Eco Diesel mainly. Who's going to work on it, Greg? Uh, these days, I think anything new. I don't. I don't know if I could. If I could do anything to it, well, you, you know, pro- I'd you, like to. I, so you probably can't. Not, and I don't know what you do for a living. And I'm. I'm not saying you're incompetent. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying you probably mm-hmm. can't because you won't have the tools. So that right. that being said, who's going to work on it? Dealer or an independent? Right. Uh, I guess. I mean, if I bought new, I, I think you end up getting some kind of dealer warranty stuff for a while, but. Most likely, I'd probably end up going independent at some right. point. I mean, I can, I'm can. i pretty handy myself. I mean, I've done all my work on my Pathfinder. I'm coming up for a, a timing belt, and I just don't feel like doing it. Like, right. I need to, I, I just need to replace this truck. It's right. kind of, well, and let me, it's let not me, working for me. Let me, mm-hmm. let me. Let me try looking at it like this, okay? Um, mm-hmm. What do you do for a living, Greg? Uh, I'm uh, basically in construction management. Okay. So, you, you know, you're good with your hands. You're a smart guy. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things you just can't do on a late model vehicle without a scan tool. And, and the cost for you to do them becomes prohibitive. So, you know, one of the things I always encourage people to think about when they're buying a vehicle is who's going to work on it. Where's your comfort zone? All right. Picking a mechanic is getting to the point where it's like picking a life partner. You know, you got to find somebody. <laughs> exactly. it, it really is. You got to find somebody you're comfortable with, and you got to find somebody that you can connect to. Because, you know, so many times the questions I get, both here and at the shop, indicate to me that people have a huge level of discomfort in in speaking to a mechanic, and you know that becomes an issue. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think the decision. Both good vehicles. I'll I'll say it like this. Mm-hmm. Both good vehicles. But I think you've got to really make the choice or the call of, you know, who's going to work on it and how comfortable are mm-hmm. you being that way. 
you know, right. it, you know, who's been working on the Pathfinder up to now? Do you have a relationship with a, an independent shop right now? Oh no, that's always been me. I mean, I've wrenched on all my vehicles right. in my entire life, and I have uh, for the past five years. I've had a company vehicle, a Dodge Ram fifteen hundred, and the first out of twenty twelve that I put two hundred thousand miles on from work driving and. Uh, my Pathfinder basically has sat for five years, pretty right. much. And uh, the Dodge, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I take it to the fleet mechanic and have him do stuff, and I even realize stuff that he's done that's kind of hasn't worked out. Like, it's had some transmission issues. Actually, the 2011 I've had has had a transmission issue. And, um, you know, I, it just seems like the newer cars are a lot harder to work on. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for oh, a regular ab- guy. A- a- absolutely. Listen, they're a lot harder to work on for the professional. I look at what right, I go through right. in the shop. You know, I should have a camera set up in the shop recording video because if you guys <laughs> if you guys saw what I was going through now in the last six weeks, I'm revamping the shop. So in between doing a radio show, working on cars, running the place, running hurt on Danny, keeping the place going, <laughs> all right, I'm also revamping. I'm throwing out scan tools. I'm putting in new ones. I'm changing, pulling down pegboards. I'm rearranging the back room. I'm cleaning house. I'm getting ready for 2017 right. and beyond because the change in the car – is is so dramatic nobody even sees it coming yet and i'm not saying i'm i'm some psychic that mm-hmm. i but i just i can smell it it's coming it's right. it's right. it's it, you know when i'm standing at the fender you know the other day i'm leaning against the bench um fixing a car wirelessly with a scan tool <laughs> doing a flash i'm going what is this you know what happened to, you know i was i was somewhere in a million years ago i was standing there with a 916 wrench a half inch wrench doing a water pump on a small yeah. block chevy and i was yeah, 16 exactly. years old where did all this come from yeah uh, yeah no I, I miss i miss those days i mean that's to me that's part of the problem that i see with that i'm worried about with this eco diesel thing cuz it's basically a new engine and it's you know it's got to have all kinds of electronics and whatnot, right. which everything does i mean what doesn't but but there just seems like there's, you know, there's so much number crunching to get mileage out of this thing. I mean, I, I'm just afraid of, of gas and diesel getting more and more expensive. As it is more expensive out here in California. Right. And um, it, it's, you know, there's a lot of driving out here. Like to go anywhere, you're talking about an hour, two hour drive to do anything right. fun. So think of it. Think of it like this. It S- sometimes simpler is better. And yep. some sometimes that sometimes that gas truck, and you know five years and done, you know what I, right. I I I think about that. I wonder if we've reached a level with automobiles in this country where, for a while, till we get till we get our minds off of the driverless car and try and deal with the ones where people are actually sitting behind the wheel. I wonder if right. we, if we need to focus on simpler, because we we've taken things. I had to put a fuel filter in this Duramax diesel yesterday. I had to take the right side front wheel well liner out. That's how I had to access the fuel filter. Now, the customer said he used to reach up there with his hand and twist it, and I said, yeah, but that's how you break things. You can't see it. The procedure calls for pull the wheelhouse out. So Ron follows follows procedure within reason to a, I want to see what I'm working on. Uh, what is right, this? Exactly. You know, what what is this? See me, touch me, feel me. I want to stick my hand up there and hope I'm on the right thing. <laughs> you know, it's like Danny says, "What are we doing? We're doing body work." No, we're we're, we're taking the fuel filter out. You got to pull the right front wheel, and we're doing a wheelhouse. It's to change a fuel filter. Uh, you know, 
Diesels are great, but you really got to love them, and you got to really want to do the maintenance. Greg, I enjoyed the conversation, sir. Good luck to you, and let us know what you buy. We'll be curious to hear and uh, enjoy driving around in, uh, well, probably your new Toyota. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor coming back right after this. The Car Doctor rolling along. Let's get over and talk to Richard in Iowa, 95 Jeep Wrangler. Richard, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, well, I haven't been able to get spark back. Uh, the distributor was bad, and I could wiggle, wiggle the shaft about an eighth of an inch, so the bushings were out. Okay. And it, it quit before then, and then I put a new distributor in, put a new cap, new rotor on it, nothing. So I checked the, the positioning switch or indicator, and I got my five volts off the number one and two pins, and then I pulled the coil off, had took it up to the shop, had it checked. They said it was okay on their check. Put that back on, and uh, still no spark. Do you have inject? Do you have injector pulse? I, on the off of the one down there, that I hadn't checked yet. You know, I'd be curious. I'd be curious to know: Do you have injector pulse? If you don't have injector pulse, then I'm going to start to think in terms of, you know, do we have a problem with, do we have a problem with the crank position sensor or part of that harness? Um, I know yeah. it, it. It started before you did the distributor bushing work. No, no, no. It quit. Okay. Before okay. that, and then I got to checking things and found that distributor. Right. Um, you know, uh, the other question I've got is, do you have any kind of a scanner, Richard? Scan tool? No, I don't. I'd be curious to see, do you have communication with the scan tool? Um, if you turn the, when you turn the key on, does the, this would have had a 95, this would have had a check engine light or a service engine soon light? Um, yeah. does, does that light light up? No. Okay. Not. Okay. I would be curious to see, is the computer awake? <laughs> Um, so let's not treat this as just a spark condition. Let's go back through basics. Do we have spark? Do we have injector pulse? Do we have fuel pressure? Do we have a PCM that's awake? Don't, that, don't, that, don't. All of those things I cannot, cannot answer. Right. I haven't checked all that stuff. Right. But that's where, that's where I would go first. No spark. And I don't care what you're working on. All right. Yeah. Um, if your lawnmower didn't start, all right. And you sound like a guy that would tinker with your lawnmower or snowblower, all right? If it didn't start and it had no spark, would you just what would be the next thing you'd check? Well, the first the first thing first thing I would check would be the you know the points, right? Or to make sure. Or let me ask the question this way: If your snow thrower or lawnmower didn't start, you would check. You would do what? You check to see if you had gas, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so gas. Then you'd go for spark. And then because it's carbureted, it's kind of like cut and dry. It's one or the other. But my yeah. point my point is you would always look at the other thing. All right? You, you'd always look at uh-huh. something else. So, you know, this could be just a spark problem, but the only way you're going to know that, and that's going to determine what flow of diagnosis to take, is do you have injector pulse? Do you have communication with the scan tool? Is the PCM awake? Do you have fuel pressure? Yeah. 
The uh, if if I'm understanding, I think pin three on that position sensor is where the uh, injector uh, voltage comes from. Is that correct? I don't remember that off the top of my head, Richard. To be oh, honest with oh, you, I'd have to, I'd have to look at a wiring diagram. But the way I would the way I would test this for injector pulses. Do you have a noid light? Yeah. Um, just put a noid. Just do you have do you have the right noid light for the injector connector? That I'm not positive of. Okay. Well, they're cheap enough, and if you're going to tinker with something, you know, if you're going to tinker with something, I think you got to spend a couple of bucks on tools. Get out to yeah. a, get out to an. You got an O'Reilly Auto Parts near you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Get out to an O'Reilly Auto Parts, and uh, you know, go in and talk to them, and tell them you've got this model year Jeep, and you're looking for a Noid N O I D, a Noid light tester for the injector. And they should be able to get it. You could probably find it online. You know, get out to O'ReillyAuto.com and you'll probably see it there. And the idea is, does it blink? If it blinks, well, then you've got, you know, you've got, you've got a signal from the PCM uh, driving the injector. If it doesn't blink, then check one side or the other for your voltage. All right. Yep. Okay. And then at least you'll have a direction to go. All right, sir. Okay. You let me know. Okay, thank you much. You're very welcome. Let's get over to Richard, another Richard up in Wisconsin, 98 Ford Ranger, and a problem with shifting. Hey, Richard, how are you, sir? How can I help? Good. How are you, Ron? Good. What's going on? Um, 98 Ford Ranger, manual transmission. Right. Um, the clutch master cylinder was replaced. I noticed um, it was hard to shift in the gears, um, especially when the engine's running. When it's not running, I can shift the gears no problem at all. Okay. Um. Well, can you can you go? I'm sorry. Can you go if, if you're sitting there running and you push in the clutch? Can you get it into first? Um, most of the time, yes. Okay. Can you get Sometimes it into reverse? Can you get it into reverse? Most of the time, I can. Yes. Okay. Can you get it into any of the other gears? Yes. All the most time. Most of the time, I can. So, is it? I guess. I guess the question I'm asking is. Is it consistently hard to get in all the gears, or first and reverse harder than the other other three or four? I would say it's it's all the gears. Okay. Ron. It sounds like then either we've got a clutch problem, a mechanical clutch issue. All right. Okay. Um, in the sense that the clutch isn't being depressed far enough, or there is a problem with the release mechanism. That's what somebody mentioned, possibly, that it might be too high or something. Right. The, the key is that it won't go into reverse. Reverse is a non-synchro on manual transmissions, and that's the common denominator. If it's just as hard to get in reverse as first, then we're starting to think about clutch and mechanical clutch, or in this case, are the hydraulics working the way they, they should be? Those clutches are a little difficult to bleed, and there are some tricks to it that they've got to follow in order to get all the air out. You should have a good, consistent clutch pedal for the throw from top to bottom. But other than that, you want to uh, take a look at and consider the mechanical side of the clutch. Good luck. Coming up next, Kevin Ansel from 3M. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Hey, 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 welcome back. Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. You know, it's that time of year again when we're talking about winter car care. We're all going to do some driving this snow season, as I like to think of it, because snow is a condition and it brings about the cold and it's part of winter. We want to make sure the car is as ready as we are. And we thought we'd reach out to the folks over at 3M. We all know who they are, the automotive giant, as well as other things in the uh, in the world. And uh, we've got a hold of Kevin Ansell. He's a technical service engineer at 3M and 3M Auto. We're glad to have him with us here today. Kevin, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. Hi, 
Ron. Thanks for having me. Um, tell us a little bit about your role with 3M. I mean, how does a guy get to be a technical service engineer with 3M? I, I suspect maybe you're building your passion for cars as you go. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what exactly you do with 3M. Right. So I'm uh, pretty new with the company. I've only been there about five years. Um, I started out as an intern, and so when I was in school, I didn't really know what part of the industry I wanted to be involved in. I was going to school for engineering, and so uh, I got an internship at 3M, fortunately, and they put me in the automotive aftermarket division, and I think this has been a really good experience for me just to kind of build my passion for cars and try to get me more involved with the automotive industry. And and Lord knows we need young people with passion for cars if we're going to continue what the automobile means in the American society today. Um, so that's good, Kevin. Absolutely. That's uh, We appreciate your efforts. Um, a guy from Minnesota. My spies tell me you're up. You're up in Minnesota. Where? Where exactly? White Lake or Owl Lake or something? Uh, I'm in uh, White Bear Lake. It's well, just north of St. Paul. Okay, so a guy up there in Minnesota way. You must know what cold is all about. Uh, you must feel like some days you invented snow and cold. Uh, what's What's the weather like there today? Uh, yeah, today it's actually pretty nice. It's about the thirty, around thirty degrees. Um, but just a couple of days ago, I was looking at the thermometer and it was 20 below, and that's not even counting wind chill. Right. So, yeah, so it can get pretty cold here. Yeah, you you, you guys kind of know what winter car care is all about. So, you know, let's talk about it, the importance of winter car care and, you know, what are some of the things drivers can, to, can do to prepare their vehicles for winter weather, whether it's 20 below or 30 above? Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. One of the biggest things you need to do when the temperature starts to get low is to check your tire pressures. So as the temperature drops, so does the prior the pressure in your tires. So you want to make sure that you check your tires, uh, be it if you're looking at the pressure gauge or uh, the sensor that's on your dashboard. Uh, if that light comes on, take it to the gas station, take it to your garage if you have an air compressor. Uh, make sure you fill up your tires to the recommended value that's recommended by a manufacturer. Um, another thing you can do is to check your battery especially if your battery is over four years old. Uh, As the temperature goes down, especially like it has been here in Minnesota, uh, your battery becomes less effective. And then as it's getting cold out, uh, your engine will require more power in order to start. So with cold starting conditions and cold temperatures, old battery may not be as effective, and you definitely don't want to be left stranded in a parking lot somewhere yeah, where no, your car won't start. There, there, it's no fun waiting in the cold with a dead battery. I always say July's okay if you've got a little barbecue, you can sit on the side of the road and have some shrimp, but, oh, yeah. uh, you know, no win- wintertime, no fun. No fun at all. Not fun. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sure. So uh, another thing you can do is to flush the coolant system and add fresh antifreeze. Uh, don't just be tempted to top off the antifreeze from last year because you Sometimes can do more damage than good that way. Uh, you want to make sure you have a good ratio of antifreeze to water to make sure you get the protection for the temperature that your kind of environment is used to. Um, coolant is very important because it protects your engine from freezing. Uh, as liquid freezes, it expands, and the engines, engines can crack, and that could just be disastrous. You don't right. want to be in that kind of situation. Right. So yeah, and it also acts as a corrosion protector, so it. Uh, prevents rust and buildup inside your engine. And so make sure and, at a very minimum that you follow your manufacturer's recommendation and change your coolant as as recommended. And that's a very important point because it's, you know, a lot of people don't understand that the coolant will have good freeze point. They don't consider the corrosion or the acidity of the coolant 
breaking down, causing damage from the inside out. What can you, what can you tell us about uh, in terms of products, Kevin? What, what sort of things does 3M have for winter car care? I'm sure you guys have more than a few. Right, right. So as the days are getting shorter right now, uh, we passed the first day of winter, so days are actually starting to get longer. Very good. But if you're anything like me, you're doing a lot more nighttime driving this time of year. Uh, it seems like for me, when I'm driving to work, uh, it's dark out. And then when I'm driving home from work, it's dark out. And so we're doing a lot of nighttime driving. We want to make sure that you are able to see at night and so that your headlights are clear and functioning properly. So two different ways that you can do that. You can either change out the light bulbs, which, you know, over time, the lights tend to fade out, don't put out as much light. Or big problem that's on the road with a lot of cars today is that the headlights become hazy and yellow and that you don't get the light output from that. So 3M Auto, we have a good kit out there with our headlight restoration platform. Uh, we have actually a couple different kits that uh, you can use depending on the level of oxidization on your headlights to make sure that you can make your headlights good as new and so that you can see at night. Yeah, your your kit works really well. It's one of the it's it's I use it in the shop on a daily basis or not daily, but you know weekly. And one of the finishing touches that I've always liked about your kit is that final coat of wax because the 3M wax really makes a huge difference in how long those lights will stay uh, still stay bright and light and you know maintain their maintain that clarity. Um, I think it's important. Right. I think it's so, a good step. I think it's good that you brought that up. So one thing that a lot of our customers ask us is, you know, how long does, after you restore your headlights, how long does that last? And what can you do to prevent it from yellowing? And up until today, our recommendation, like you said, was just put a coat of wax over there every time you wash and wax your car, you know, put some wax on the headlights. And that does a really good job at making it stay clean and so that dirt doesn't necessarily accumulate on your headlights. But starting next year, we're coming out with a brand new quick headlight clear coat is what we're calling it. And this is a clear coat wipe. It's a pre-saturated wipe. That after you restore your headlights up to 3,000 grit Trizec, you take this wipe, don't unfold it, and just use the crisp edge and go over the slow overlapping passes over the entire headlight. And that'll give you the clarity that you're looking for as well as the longevity. It will prevent yellowing for up to four times longer than a regular restored headlight. New, new product. Is that new products for 2017, Kevin? Anything else? So the quick headlight clear coat, we have three different uh, stages of headlight restoration. We have a quick renewal kit that's for light duty repair. We have a medium duty restoration kit that's for obviously medium duty repairs and then the heavy duty. The quick clear coat wipe will be included in our medium duty kit and our heavy duty kit. And then we're also going to sell it as a standalone item. Uh, another new product that we have for 2017 I'm pretty excited about it. It's our 3M rust preventer spray. And so rust is a big problem with vehicles, especially where I'm at, where they're putting salt on the roads and chemicals on the roads to prevent snow and ice buildup on the roads. So if any of that salt gets inside the door cavities, then that's a good way for rust to form inside the car. And if any of that salt water is pooling inside there, that, that can be hazardous. So with our new rust preventer spray. It comes in an aerosol can with a four-piece extension tube that can fit into, that you can adjust the length on it so it can fit into any different door cavity or hoods or rocker panels or anything Oh, so like it, that. Yeah, it can get up in the corners and uh, 
get in where you yep. can't really see or, or, or spray normal conventional means. Right. And the good thing with this one, it has a diffuser nozzle on the end of the extension tube, and it gives you that 360-degree spray pattern. So as you're pulling out the extension tube, it gets complete coverage on the entire interior surface of the panel. Sounds so like a, two to three coats, and you can have good protection for the next couple of years. Sounds like a sounds like another idea from the folks at 3M that's just going to go to the top of the pile because you guys just always you're you're always reinventing ways to take care of the car. Uh, you know, I've noticed that over the years. That's what 3M seems to do. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, good idea. Hey, before I let you go, any any other basic car care tips every driver really should know about before they head out on a long winter's drive? Anything else right. coming so to mind? So if you're going on a long ride, if you're going on a long ride, make sure your windshield wipers are functioning that they're the way they're supposed to. So if you don't get if you get stuck behind a semi and they're kicking up dirt and water and snow at you, make sure that you're able to get that dirt off your windshield. Um, make sure your windshield wiper fluid is topped off so that you can see as you're driving. Um, and then make sure you have enough gas in your car. Obviously. You mentioned before if you're stuck on the side of the road. In the summer, it's okay if you take a walk if it's a nice night, but right. in the winter, you don't want to be walking on the side of the highway. When and, and, by. and if you're in Minnesota, you definitely want to be stuck on the side of the highway in 20 below weather. So Yeah, you um, don't want to do that. You know, I, w- I was talking to Kevin listeners prior to the broadcast today, and we were discussing Minnesota. I was up in Minnesota years ago, and uh, driving down this one major highway, and we talked about these houses that had sticks. Do they still put the sticks in front of the front doors on the houses, Kevin? When it, in, in, Maybe in not so much in front of the front doors, but they definitely have them on the side of the driveway, on the going around the corners. But yeah, you can see where the the road is. Right, and so, so you, and when so you, all the snow piles up. And so when the snow piles up, if you have to dig the house out, they used to put the sticks on front of the front door so you could find the front door if you have to dig the house out. So uh, you know, from a guy from a guy in Minnesota that sees snow like that, we definitely can take car care tips from you to heart, sir. Um, where can the listeners go get more information, Kevin? more information, you can go to 3mauto.com, and we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 3mauto. Cool. And listen, real quick, when will uh, the headlight restoration kit hit the market? First quarter, second quarter? When does that show up? First quarter. First quarter. All right, cool, First quarter this year at the auto specialty stores, as well as at amazon.com. Perfect. Listen, we'll be looking forward. Kevin, I appreciate it, and uh, hey to everybody out there in 3M land. We appreciate all you guys do for us as well as the uh, DIYer. We know you guys are hard at work trying to keep our automobiles going, and uh, you have yourself a good rest of the afternoon. Great. Thanks, Ron. Happy New Year. You take good care. Yes, sir. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor, and we'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Back, Ron and Annie, the car doctor. Um, keep in mind if you're podcasting, and I know I've said this a couple of times. I was saying, how many times did I say this this hour? Four. That's the score of the Giants game tomorrow. The Giants are going to get four points. I don't know how, but Green Bay is going to get 24. I like the guy in the first hour that talked about 24 10. We'll see. 20 is going to be cold out there on the 50 yard line eating that cheese sandwich. But um, if you are podcasting, click subscribe, help the car doctor out. Let's get over to Glenn in Philadelphia and uh, see what's going on here. Glenn, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey Ron, thanks for taking my call. Hey, hey Glenn, let me ask you a question. Wait, I got—I have—I actually have a question. You're, you're from Philadelphia. It's snowing. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, who's gonna? What's what's gonna be the score tomorrow of Green Bay Giants? This ought to be good from a Phillies fan. Oh God, um, I like Green Bay. I don't know about the score, but um, yeah, I'll take them in this in that game. Okay. Oh, tone. That's two now that have talked. Okay. I'm just ensuring the victory, bro. <laughs> so anyway, what can I do for you today, Glenn? Not to make this a sports hour, but go ahead. 2009, 2010. I was looking at um, the Toyota Highlander. Um, the two I had in mind are both private owners, and they both uh, have about 80,000 miles on them, really well maintained. I just wanted to get your opinion on on um, on the car and you know, to hear what you thought about it. I think they're usually great cars. Um, you know, they'll okay. Toyotas are one of those cars that will take a little bit of abuse. Um, you know, they're they're they, they will stand up to a little bit of intolerant maintenance and and so forth. They, they there's there's a line there, but you know, I think I think what you're talking about, I think what you're describing to me sounds like I'd consider either one. I'd look at price, I'd look at condition. Uh, you know, yeah. both V sixes. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty pretty bulletproof to a degree. You know, they'll have their quirks. You know, they they. They have their issues. I mean, they'll rust. The biggest thing I see with Toyotas, it sounds funny, but they, they get something I call the Toyota crunchies on their exhaust systems where they, they get to an age where the it's it's not the exhaust system. Well, the flanges start to deteriorate, but the nuts and bolts holding them together just start to get, they get crunchy. They, get, they start to flake apart, and you, you end up, you know, the rest of the system starts to rot and fall off from the end in. And, you know, other than that, you know, except for some of the ridiculous prices Toyota charges for catalytic converters, I think they're good cars. You know, okay. um, you, you never want to put an exhaust on a Toyota, though I can tell you this. I've seen some Toyota exhaust systems, uh, you know, $3,000 in parts. It gets crazy. It gets crazy. Wow. Yeah, nuts. But when you consider what the car is new and when you consider, you know, the mileage, I don't think 80,000 miles – is I don't think eighty thousand miles is a lot of miles on anything today, and if it's had maintenance, I think most cars will go a quarter million miles. I really do. Uh, I just think it depends on who's working on it. But yeah, by all means, just watch your pricing and uh, you know enjoy the car. All right, sir. What would what would you suggest I do as far as maintenance right off the bat at that mileage? Well, I'll tell you what. Hang on. Let me let me pull over and take the pause. When we come back, we'll go over that real quick. Stay tuned. I'm running eating the car doctor. Don't go away. Back, one of the name of the car doctor. Let's get right to it. Glenn in Philly. Are you still there, sir? I am. Buying an 09 or 10 Toyota Highlander. Maintenance at 80,000 miles. It's easy. All the fluids. Don't care when they were done last. Baseline the car. Start with what you know. If they were done at 60, were they done right? Were they done properly? All the fluids. Coolant, trans, brake. Um, uh, obviously, change the engine oil. If there's a transfer case involved, if these are all wheel drives, that. All right. Other than that, just be mindful of, take a look at the water pump. The water pumps were common to fail on these. These are not timing belt motors. These are chain motors. 
in 9 right. and 10. Uh, water pumps were not completely uncommon to go bad. The weep hole will start to get a little crusty around it and start to get a little seepy, and that'll be the telltale sign. Take a look at the back bottom rows of the radiator. Make sure it's not corroded as the air drafts seem to affect and wear out the radiators there, but I think you're probably way too early for that. Other than that, Take a look at the brakes themselves, rotate the tires, and drive it on down the road. If you have a mechanic that's got a carbon clean machine, do some sort of a fuel injection cleaning and a throttle body service, and you'll be good to go. All right? Let me let me jump over to my next call. Glenn, I don't want to say no to you, but I want to get everybody in. Walt from Maui. Walter, I'm not going to ask you the weather. It's snowing here in New Jersey. i got 45 seconds. How can I help you? Uh, let me turn down the air conditioner first. Yeah. Okay, Walt, uh, keep it up. You know, we can disconnect easy, too. Go ahead, babe. <laughs> 2001 Ford Escort, 2.0 liter, right. dual overhead amp. Right. Is there a way to tell? It's got no compression is 20, 20, 0, and 5. Okay. Is there a way to tell whether it's a head gas? Yeah. Um, fill each cylinder with oil. You know, put a, put a couple of, uh, not fill it, but put a couple of squirts of oil in the cylinder, do the compression test again. If compression goes up, it's a ring issue. You're sealing it. If the compression stays the same, then it's either valve train or something above it, possibly a head gasket. Take it from that point, and we'll go from there. You know where to find me if you need more. I'm on the Mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. Aloha.